If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of Damsels and the DMs. Like create opportunities for yourself. So you're not just stuck not doing what you love to do um, or find other things you like to do too. Like as long as you're in that vibration of having fun and doing what you love, you'll attract more of doing that. So you'll eventually book something. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. <laughs> Tell us what's the vibe. Uh-huh. What's the there's some damsels in the DM. Yeah. Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah, we see them. Yeah, we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Lauren. I'm Osh. And Osh was almost a blonde, but is here with her dark hair. I was basically a blonde, but the real blondes don't accept me as a blonde. So then when I was dyeing it back to brown, they were like, oh, you're not staying blonde. I was like, oh, now I'm blonde when I'm like back to brunette. Okay. (laughs) But you honestly looked really good as a blonde. Like, and the other thing that I really respect about you is like, I would be so terrified to dye my hair, but you really like just dove right in. You've never dyed your hair before though, right? No, never. That's why. I've dyed my hair so many times. I just started dyeing my hair when I was 18. So for me, dyeing it is not bad at all, but this was, I can't even talk about what it was actually the product or the company or whatever, but it was it was blonde. It, it basically became blonde and I wasn't prepared for it. Like I'm never prepared for any hair job that I do and I should probably learn my lesson. <laughs> uh, the last hair job, I don't know if you guys remember this, but the last hair job I did, they cut my hair into a bob. Um, and I was not happy about that, but the blonde I actually did like, I just thought it was a little bit crazy for my look, for my book, for acting. It just, if I wasn't in the industry, maybe I would have done something with it, but yeah, it's too much. Yeah. Fair, fair. Well, good to see you here. Good to see you as a brunette. Today we have Abby Monterey on the podcast, who is an actor, performer. She's actually somebody who I met at an event here in New York, but 
we had this really funny flip where she moved to LA in August when I moved to New York in August. And we really bonded over that. And she has such an incredible story. So I knew she would be such a perfect fit to come on the podcast. Did you know she was going to move to LA uh, when you met her? Like, you, did you guys know you were going to have the switch? So actually, my good friend in grad school who you met, Crystal, recognized them from the shows that we were on. And we just got to talking to them. And when we were talking, she had already moved to L.A. Because this event was maybe like in December or something. So we had both already moved to our prospective cities. And she was just there visiting her sister. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for everyone to listen more about her story because she has got the coolest, most inspiring acting journey. And I wish I... I wish I heard her story when I was a kid. I know, right? It's very like inspirational and motivational and definitely I think like really changes the tune of like what society's perception is of child actors because I feel like people are always so worried about like corrupting kids in the industry and everything but she has such like a healthy mindset and I feel like such a great balance in her life um, with her career which I feel like is something that I even like really need to work on. Also, taking your career in your own hands when you're a tiny little baby is so, so, like, unique. Who does that? No one knows what they want to do. Sure, they might think acting is fun, but they don't actually take things into their own hands and, you know, do all the things that she did, which I'm not going to mention right now because I want you guys to go ahead and listen to this episode. Yeah. And you know you're a well-adjusted kid if you can develop your own show at the age of 13. Insane. Yeah. Well, whatever, we'll get into it and you guys will hear it all for yourselves. Let's do it. Okay, so today we are here with Abby Monterey. Hi, Abby. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. So Abby and I actually met at an event in New York, but Abby, you are no longer a New Yorker. Is that correct? That is correct. (laughs) Are you in LA? Yeah, I'm in LA. Amazing. Where in LA are you? I'm in like Sherman Oaks area. Okay. What made you make the switch from New York to LA? I honestly just wanted to try it because I'd lived in New York for 10 years. I'm originally from Florida, Florida. So I moved to New York in 2012 to start theater things and lived there 10 years. And then when I was working, almost everyone I knew lived in LA and I heard so many great things about it. Um, So I was like, I should just try it and see how it might change my life. So I went for it. And when, how long have you been here for? Uh, since August. Wow. August oh, like 2022. Yeah. Oh my God. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks. I'm always like, oh, why do people move from New York to LA? New York is so cool. Who, who does that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, New York is really cool. And I'm always like a New Yorker at heart. And maybe one day I'll go back. I'm not quite sure yet, but I like it here because of the nature and I didn't realize how much I needed nature to be a person yeah Abby and I like switched places so that was one of the things that we were talking about when we we left at the same time and um, I feel like I'm an LA person but in New York so we're the total opposites of each other yeah (laughs) so tell us how has it changed your life do you think it like what's been the difference since moving um my life feels a lot calmer in a good way Like I've had the opportunity to really think about who I am and get to know myself better. LA can be a lonely place. Anywhere can be lonely, especially when you first move there. But I've used it as a time to really like work on myself, focus on myself, my career. And 
I have met a lot of people. So it definitely now I feel a lot more settled. It's a lot less lonely, but I've really used it as a time to like focus on myself and figure out who I am. So you mentioned that you moved to New York when you were 12 and you started in Broadway, right? So yes. how has that been? Like you started off like as a kid, like now you're an adult and you're still pursuing acting. How has the transition been from like Broadway moving more towards film and like the various markets between New York and LA? Yes, um, it's definitely been a transition. Uh, both industries are very different. Even the acting style is very different. So with theater acting, you have to always perform to the back row. And then with film, it's a lot more internal. and The camera just needs to see your eyes. So it's just two completely different acting styles that I definitely had to get used to. And the thing that really helped me transition was being on Doom Patrol, and which is a show on a DC superhero show on HBO Max that I'm in. And I wear like full face prosthetics in it. So I did have to, that theater training really came in handy because I couldn't be as subtle as you normally would because I had makeup all over my face and prosthetics. So I had to find like a balance between the being subtle and being more performative, I guess, to kind of get emotion to come across on camera with all that makeup. So it was a good transition. That was my first film thing. I saw pictures on your Instagram of that and it freaked me out <laughs> so much. And I was like, how are you, how many hours do you have that on your face for? And how is it comfortable? I've never had prosthetics done. And every time I see a video of someone getting prosthetics done, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so freaked out. I, I don't know how people are dealing with that. It's honestly not too bad. Like you get used to it after a while. Originally season, I joined the show in season two and I was, on it for the past three seasons and season two the first time it took about four hours to get into the makeup so my call was like really really early that's the hardest part waking up early like waking up at like two in the morning to go to set is really difficult sometimes um but like you get used to it I've been doing it for three seasons so I've definitely gotten used to it and now season four it took about like hour and a half to two hours to do the makeup by the end of filming wow it went from being like almost four hours to a lot shorter because like people get the hang of things people get a routine in and people know what they're doing more after time what did you do to adjust your acting style from the broadway style into being more intimate for film doom visual is my very first on-camera thing And I was really nervous about that because I had never been exposed to that really before. And I asked one of my acting teachers at the time for advice. And she just said, just think really loudly and you'll be fine. And Mm. don't. So I just did that. And then sometimes like people would be like, okay, for some reason with the prosthetics, surprise didn't come across because I didn't really have eyebrows. Mm. Uh, So I like sometimes had to just move my face a little bit more for certain things that didn't come across and like test things out. Like during my screen test, we were like testing different ways I could move my face and seeing what came across, what didn't come across. Um, By season four, I like knew exactly what I was doing, but definitely in the beginning season two, it was like, you could do the normal film acting only to a certain extent because of the makeup. So for your screen test, they had you completely in the makeup for it? 
Yeah. Wow. Um, it was after I was cast. They did the screen test after I was cast. And they, they, I had like two different looks. So season two opens with my character in like a freak show being like abused. It's really dark. And so they had that look and they're testing all of that out. They're testing out different hair looks, different makeup looks, things like that. It was a long process. I remember some days I was in the chair for like almost nine hours. With different wow. looks. How was adjusting between like, you've been doing that kind of acting, you're on it for three seasons and then you got cast in Curse of Bridge Hollow, right? Yes. So what was like the differentiation there? How did you prepare for that role? Curse of Bridge Hollow, it's a kid's movie. So the stakes were really low and it was a comedy too. So I had, by that point, I had been working long enough to really under, like know what I was doing on camera. Um, so I didn't really have to prepare too much and I wasn't really too worried about coming across as too theatrical also because I had a lot of a lot more experience by that point I had done season two and season three by that point and mm -hmm. even just like watching the other actors I'm around you can learn so much from your peers um, so I just learned a lot just watching them um, so I felt I felt pretty prepared but it was really it was low stakes. The movie was really fun. Everyone involved in the film was really funny. And it was just like, it was honestly a really great set. What's some advice that you would give to people who wanted to pursue acting or were thinking about moving to LA and getting more involved in the film industry? Um, I'd say go for it and keep auditioning and focus more on your personal life so you don't get too attached because the minute you get too attached to things you kind of radiate desperation and people don't like that um so when you have your life set focus more on your personal life and what makes you happy and you're having fun then you start to book things hmm. you're focusing less on booking things <laughs> I like that advice because it's so hard sometimes when you're not booking you're like what could I be doing more than like, you know, what I'm already doing. And I remember asking my acting coach this and he was like, just enjoy, relax, like stop. And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> so I'm trying to like, I'm trying to stop and not being so stressed out. Which is easier said than done. But another way to help with that is like create opportunities for yourself. So you're not just stuck not doing what you love to do um, or find other things you like to do too. Like as long as you're, in that vibration of having fun and doing what you love, you'll attract more of doing that. So you'll eventually book something. Question. So can we go back to Broadway? Yes. <laughs> when did you, how did you get into that? How did your love for acting even start in the first place? How did you get into Broadway? What was that journey for you like? So I originally started when I was in Tampa, Florida. I started performing at six. I was in this all girls performing group called Entertainment Review. And uh, we performed all across the state of Florida and would like tour across Florida. And I did that from when I was six to 12 years old. And then I had that experience. So it's not really, it wasn't really musical theater. It was more like pop star training in a way. That's what it felt like. Um, it was very much like that. Like a lot of people involved in Entertainment Review went on to do like American Idol, the voice, it was not really acting. And then I had my first audition, me and my sister, um, for How the Grinch Christmas and Matilda the Musical. We're like, let's just go to New York and do it. 
um, not expecting anything. And then we Millie booked Matilda and I booked Grinch. And then we're like, shit, we had to move to New York. And so we like- And how old were you when that happened? I was 12. Oh, wow. So I was really young. And then I was living in New York from then. It kind of went over my head. Like I didn't realize that it was a big deal when it was happening because I was so young. I was like, oh, this is just like, I'm performing in a theater, yay. Mm -hmm. I didn't really like realize the extent of the situation. But after that, I did like off-Broadway things. I was involved in like a lot of workshops for like new shows, new musicals, things like that. And I started auditioning for film in around like 2018, 2019. Wow. How do you think you've stayed grounded through it all? Because you hear these stories about people who start acting or being on Broadway really young and they kind of like go off the deep end. But how do you think that you've kept your normalcy throughout all of it? Honestly, I think it's because I like other things besides acting Hmm. my life. So it's not the only thing I have going on. Mm. So I feel like, like, for example, I'm also like an astrologer and I've been studying astrology since I was like 13. So I also do that. And I have that going on in my life, things like that. I feel like that's helped me stay grounded a lot. And also I think my upbringing, my mom is a huge she's not in the entertainment industry at all. And she was very much the type of person to make us work for what we wanted. Um, If we wanted to go to rehearsal, we had to do a certain amount of chores. She had no, like, she also did not know anything about the entertainment industry. So it was all me doing my own work because I wanted to do it. My mom works in like corporate America, so she has no idea what's. (laughs) Did your parents move to New York with you? And also when you were doing um, from six to 12, when you were touring everywhere, did they also, was that just for summer holidays or were you like out of school for that? I was out of school a little bit. It was mostly like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we would perform because the group was six years old to 18 and it was mostly high schoolers. Um, and a few like young girls and I was one of the few young girls Um, so it was nice my parents didn't come with me um, for that we never really like we would carpool a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and things like that like all the girls together we would carpool there were like select moms that would come with us and kind of be like the caretaker for everyone but it was mostly high schoolers so like a lot of people didn't really need a parent there and okay. I had older girls to like take care of me also so that yeah because you're so young it's like six is a baby mm. yes <laughs> that's really really cool and then so but then did your family move to New York like everyone moved or just you and your sister um my mom moved with us okay cool yeah. how do you think you stayed non-competitive with your sister I think it's just because we're so different as people. I feel like that's it because we never really go out for the same roles. And when we do, we're always like, if they cast you, they were not looking for me. (laughs) So I feel like that's how we've stayed not competitive. (laughs) That's why work on auditions together if you get the same one. Yeah, we have before. (laughs) Um, We're just so different. It like comes across as a completely different person when we do things. So we're always like, okay, it's up to them to decide. Like it's also with casting, it's nothing personal. It's whoever can fit the part and do justice to that role deserves that role. 
And if you're not cast, like it's not about you, it's about the role. Thousand percent. And with modeling, it's like about you. It's not about the role. <laughs> modeling would scare me. I don't know if I could do that. It's like way more personal. And you're like, okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> Wait, do you model? Yeah. Oh, that that sounds so scary. I'm like, I'm also too small to do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm 5'5", five five and that's like, you know, or typically models would be like 5'10 and above, but now things are changing. So you never know. Mm-hmm. that's good to know yeah um okay so is your sister still in New York or did you guys both move to LA together she's still in New York and yes. has that happened like if you guys were working on the same audition that one of you got it and one didn't yes with Curse of Bridge Hollow um which is crazy at one point they were thinking of like may- maybe making two of the character sisters I was out for two characters I was out for Ramona and Jamie so during the auditions, I just kept switching characters and then it ended up, I ended up going further and Millie didn't, but like, it's nothing like personal. So it's like, we're not in control of everything. We just have to show up and do our best. Did they know that you were sisters? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> they knew because like they knew of you or because you told them? Um, I think they knew of us maybe. Okay. It, it also, if you like look us up online, you figure out we're sisters. Yeah. That's really yeah. So they probably did that. They're like, wait, they're sisters. <laughs> yeah. But what a like that's such a good story about fate that you both booked Broadway shows at the same time in yeah. New York. Like, wow. If you were like looking for a sign to pursue this career, I feel like that has to be a blaring one. Yes. That that's literally the moment we knew we were definitely doing this for life. Wow. Because like both of us, Millie was also in entertainment review. She didn't get in until she was a little older. Um, older being like eight. <laughs> <laughs> so late. So late. <laughs> but um, so we both have been like performing a lot and when you're when you're when you take it to the next level and you find success at such a young age it's like kind of a sign like oh you're good at this you can get better at this and the only thing is a lot of people when they start working as a child they don't try to get better there's always something to learn like you're always growing as a person and as an actor and you can never be the best actor there's no stopping point so I feel like if you keep like training that being training on your own training with a coach stuff like that you can keep getting better and better especially if you already find success as a kid that's like a sign to keep doing it so are you still training right now I I train on my own I work with a coach sometimes too Um, I usually work with my coach for like auditions that I really want to book or auditions that are a little more challenging and things like that. So I don't spend a lot of money. <laughs> but, um, that's another thing. All of the training is really expensive. So there's so many ways to train on your own. Also, like you can learn so much from watching, even just people watching, like going to the park, writing notes on the people you see around you, things like that, writing notes on people in your life. Like there's always ways to like keep training on your own without even taking a class and there's so many books you can read about acting like there's so many like great acting teachers 
who've written these very like useful books. So there's so much information you can get on your own. Wow. Yeah. Can you drop some tips um, other than people watching? Mm-hmm. Uh, can you drop some books or other tips that you have that you train on your own for us and for our listeners? Yeah, there's a lot of Stella Adler books that are really good. There's the Uta Hagen book that's really good. Stuff about Meisner. And the things with the those like acting techniques, you only should use what works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you can try different things. You can mix them. But at the end of the day, you're creating your own process because acting is so personal. So I feel like read as much as you can do whatever you can to figure out that own process. Me and my friends during the pandemic created this like cute little scene study club. (laughs) And we've all like worked before, but it was the pandemic. And we were like, we're not working right now. Nobody's working. And there's no way to like get better right now. Right. Because there's conditions. And so we met through Zoom once a week and just did scenes together, gave each other notes, talked about things that worked really well, things that didn't all of that. And that was really helpful. So like even doing that with your friends is a good way to just keep training without spending a lot of money. Osh, are we organizing this? We're starting starting a little Zoom group. Yeah. (laughs) I'll join. (laughs) I'm actually about to start acting classes uh, next month in person for the first time after a very long time. Like I think Leslie Kahn was the last time I was in an in-person Oh no! Wait, sorry. I did. I th- I did Anthony Mindel, um, and in France, but yeah. And in Fr- yeah, you're right. Sorry, I feel like, like it's such a big close. deal that it's in person. But yeah, you're right. I have done in person, but it's. I'm excited. Yeah, in doing it, like if you can take a class, take a class. Cause that's the best way by like doing it as much as possible. Yeah. What do you think has been? some of the hardest moments of pursuing this career to get to where you currently are and have you had moments where you were like okay I need to stop doing this and I'm going to like fully pursue astrology instead yeah um so the hardest moments definitely were when I was in high school for sure um it's such a weird age that it doesn't really get because like a lot of adults play high schoolers Mm-hmm. Of actual high schoolers playing high schoolers mm-hmm. um so there's less op- a little less opportunities also it's a weird time in your life where you feel awkward you feel you don't really know who you are that was the hardest moment a lot of rejection there and I was really focusing on dance at that point in my life I was also a dancer um so I wasn't focusing on acting as much when I was in high school um because of all of that rejection Mm -hmm. uh but the advice I would give is again to just focus on your personal life because you have no control as an actor you just have to show up do your best work and if your best work isn't what's right for the character then you're not gonna be cast and that's okay it's not about you at the end of the day an actor is honestly just like a tool almost to tell the story and if you can't do that then you shouldn't cast Mm. Uh, so just knowing it's nothing personal and just learning to like find the joy in auditioning um and not caring about the rejection that's the advice I would give that's amazing 
So what are some like healthy habits or do you have a morning routine? Like what are the things that you feel like are you have to stick by this in order to be the best version of yourself? I'm also particularly interested in if there's certain things that you do before you have to show up on set at 2 a.m. Oh, yes. So in general, my morning routine, I like to work out in the morning because it really gets my day started and I feel really motivated after and it just puts me in a really positive mindset and then the days that I don't work out that aren't like rest days of course um resting is also very important but the days I don't work out I kind of feel depressed (laughs) anyway (laughs) so yeah my morning routine is like working out drinking a lot of water eating breakfast every morning it's important to eat food um, things like that. And then when I have to be on set that early, I take a shower. So I wake up in the morning right away. Uh, cause it's so hard to like get out of bed. And the night before, sometimes I would go to bed at like, I would be in bed at 5 PM. So I'd have to wake up at like 2 AM. Oh my God. I would force my, like take melatonin, force myself to go to sleep. And the day, like Sundays I would, wake up really early on Sundays to shift my sleep schedule and do a lot of things throughout the day. So I would be tired by 5 p.m. And then I would go to sleep, wake up at two, take a shower right away. And then I would eat on the way to set. Cause I, once the makeup's being put on, you can't eat while they're doing the makeup. Um, So once the makeup, while the makeup's being put on, I can just relax for a second. But yeah, that was basically my routine going to set. And throughout the week, the call times get a little later and later and later. Because as you guys probably know, like it always goes over time a little bit every day. And then by the end of the week, you're working really late at night. So like, especially on Doom Patrol, we would be working to like 3 a.m., 5 a.m., like stuff like that. One time we wrapped at like 8 a.m., which is crazy. Um, But you would get them at 2 a.m. and then wrap 8 a.m. the next day? Not on Fridays. I would, because the call times would shift later and later and oh. later um, throughout the week uh, because of going a little bit over time. And then it eventually awesome. ends up by Friday. But Fridays, I was being called at like probably like noon. Um, oh. That's a long time um, to be on set. But yes, then Saturdays is the recovery day. And then Sunday, force yourself to wake up early so you can wake up early on Monday. Um, Yes. (laughs) That's so, so difficult. I commend you so much for doing that. Thanks. And it's not just like a one time or a two, like, you know, for like a two day shoot. This is like, how long, how long did one season take to film? Season two, I was there for about five months. So it is a long time, but since it's a very like ensemble show, I wasn't being called every day. So I would have like two days off throughout the week, things like that. So it wasn't every single day. Um, The episodes that really, really followed my character, it would be more like that. Um, But the episodes that didn't follow my character as much, I would work like three times a week. Okay. Um, So not as bad. Uh. Season three, I wasn't in season three that much. I was only in a few episodes, season three. So it was just like two, three months I was there. And then season four, I was there for four months. And was this in LA or somewhere else? In Georgia, Atlanta. Okay. And you were living in New York while this was being filmed, right? When you were filming this? 
yeah, I was still in New York. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what you're working on now or what's coming next? Um, I don't have anything I can talk about at the moment, but the second part of season four, I don't know. It's supposed to come out in the next few months, I think. I'm not sure exactly when, but that's the next thing to look forward to. Yay. <laughs> and then the other question is you mentioned your workout. Any particular workout that you like to do? I like to do a lot of like Pilates inspired things and yoga and also a little bit of weightlifting. Okay. Same, same, same. <laughs> hey, Pilates obsessed. So please tell us what this like musical duet Shapiro sisters was. Like you had your own show. Like I'm really, I really need to know. So basically we did that at 54 Below, which is this concert cabaret venue in New York City. And uh, I was, how old was I? I was 13 and my sister was 11. So I had finished Grinch like six months before and Millie had just finished Matilda. And um, we were like, we should make our own cabaret because we saw all these people we looked up to um, doing their own shows at 54 Below. And we're like, we want to do that too. We have like such a cool story. Um, So we wrote it and um performed it and what we had these broadway producers helping us fund it and everything um and did it at for below and we were the very first minors to do that but again we were so young we didn't realize like that's kind of a big deal for like yeah. a 10 year old and a well 11 year old and a 13 year old to be putting on their own show at this very like established cabaret venue um and we were the first ones to do that which was really that's like a big deal and we just didn't realize it because we we're like this is what we want to do and we're going to make it happen um that's another thing I learned being so young in the industry is if you have something you want to do you can make it happen but you just have to put in a lot of work yeah um, that's just, insane I can't I still can't believe that you were that young and you literally ho- like did an event like that or a show like that and it was all all your idea it wasn't even your mom being like this is what you should do like when I was 11 or 13 I'd be like doing what my parents like make me do and I'm just so annoyed with it but like this is you making your own world which is so so freaking cool yeah um my mom was also very like supportive too in like letting us do that because I feel like a lot of parents would be like no you're too young to do that but she was like if you want to do something, do it. You just have to figure out how to do it on your own. Yeah. Like I'll support you, but it's your, what you want to do. So do it yourself. So are you like emailing producers at like the age of 13 to be like, we have a show idea, please fund this to make it happen. (laughs) I don't really remember what we did. I think a producer might've approached Millie after Matilda, after like recording the cast recording because he was the one that was helping a lot of other artists do that before below. Um, so I think, I don't know. I don't remember how that started. I It was so long ago. We might've emailed them. I really don't remember. Was she Matilda and Matilda? Yes. How cool. 
Well, I think now is a great time to get into our DM questions because we are damsels in the DMs. So please tell us about what is the funniest, wildest, or most intriguing or inspirational DM that you've ever received. Okay. So um, I rarely look at my DMs, to be honest, as you know, because that's <laughs> yes. you. Um, I was badgering her because after I met her, I was like, she has the most incredible story. She needs to come on our podcast. And then I was like, please, please, please come on. <laughs> yes, I rarely check my DMs. And the reason I just stopped was I used to have, I used to go by my real name, Abigail Shapiro. Um, and there's another, there's like a really problematic influencer with the same name. Oh, so I get all these like scary DMs from people. And that's what really got me off social media. So I feel like it ended up being a good thing. Cause I'm like off, like off social media a lot, which is like been really freeing. Um, but it was kind of like scary at the time, getting like a lot of scary messages, people thinking I was her or just having the same name as her. Like it was just really kind of awful on social media. Um, so I changed my name and <laughs> stopped going on social media. So that was great. But I have received a lot of funny DMs, like people DMing me as if I were my character from Doom Patrol, like things like that. And I'm like, bruh, do you think I'm actually this person? I'm an actor. This is a real, <laughs> this is a reality show. <laughs> That's crazy. Wait, so yeah. how did you pick Monterey then? Monterey my mom wanted to name me that when before I was born uh after the city because she loved the butterfly sanctuary in Monterey Aww. California cute wow and you were her little butterfly yeah <laughs> that's so beautiful thanks <laughs> yeah so I chose that it was between a lot of different things and then it was like honestly I feel like that should be my name because I went even growing up I was like I feel like my name should be Monterey um, instead of Abigail or Abby, I was like, I feel like my name should be Monterey. So I was like, I should just make it my stage name. Yeah, that's beautiful. What a great story. Thanks. <laughs> There's so many like twists and turns. Yes. The influencer and the climate. I'm really into it. Wait, did you look like the influencer at all? Like, how did they confuse you for her if it's just like the name? I have no clue. I do not look like her at all. I'm also like 15 years younger than her. Um, so I don't know. People just don't think a lot of the times. So. Yeah. Well, clearly yeah. if they're DMing you as your character. Yeah. <laughs> it's honestly very entertaining. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ash, well, I'll ha let you have the DM of the week. All right. So the DM of the week asks, what is the one thing you hate most about the entertainment industry? I'm going to change that word hate because it's such a strong word, but like dislike most or annoys you the most. Um, so one thing I don't like is there's like a lot of ego in the industry. Um, and I feel like that can create like a toxic hierarchy and cause people to not respect the people around them or care about the people around them on set. So that's the one thing I don't like about the industry. But when that ego isn't there, you can really get honestly what I love about the industry, which is like the sense of collaboration and inspiration everybody feels when they're working together to create something. Um, so I feel like ego blocks that sense of collaboration a lot. Wow. How do you think people could like be better at tackling the ego in the industry? Like, what do you think 
how do you think there's like, um, I don't know, an actionable way to change that? I feel like, I don't know. It's honestly a lot of the time personal thing. Um, but I feel like when people realize like, it's not about you, it's about the project. And also, cause there's a lot of creatives, a lot of the time who focus too much on the project sometimes. So like other people can be in unsafe environments. Um, but just realizing like at the end of the day, this is a job, um, we're creating art. So this should be something that is uplifting and inspiring and not something that is scary or difficult. Wow. Great answer. And I just noticed the butterflies behind you. So how fitting. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Well, Abby, thank you so much for being here. Can you please tell our listeners where they can find you and stay up to date on everything that you're doing? Yes. You can find me on the social media I'm most active on is Instagram. So it's my name, Abby Monterey. I'm on TikTok as Abby Monterey. Um, don't really post much, but sometimes I'll post a funny video here and there. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Abby. You've been so much fun to get to know. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. As always, please subscribe, send us your messages, your notes, anything you want to send us. We're always listening. We're always reading. Please rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you like listening to your podcasts. All right, everybody. Well, it's been another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. DMs, DMs. We don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.